Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome once again to Cult Following, the leading podcast in the Phoenix metro area about film criticism, film deconstruction, and just film snobbery in general from three people who love movies just a little bit more than you do. Just kidding. We love movies. We're fun people. We like to talk about it. No agendas. We are cool cats, and we want you guys to have fun with our opinions. I'm one of your three hosts for this occasion. We're explorers in the deepest reaches of cinema, angels to some, demons to others. Join us every now and again as we talk about movies here on Cult Following. Find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and cultfollowing.co. I'm one of your hosts, Victor Moreno, along with Kirby Nelson and Joshua T. Ruth. Unsane in the membrane. Chicka chicka wah wah. Unsane. All right. In this edition of Cult Following, episode 76 for you guys keeping track at home, we're going to talk about some of the recent movies hitting the big screen this week. We're going to be talking about Unsane, the new Steven Soderbergh jam. We're going to be talking about Pacific Rim Uprising. And we're going to be talking about other movies coming out in the very near future, our most... What would you say? Anticipated. Our most yeah. anticipated films coming out in the near future. We all have little ideas of what we want to talk about. So this will be a lively discussion. So why don't we talk a little bit about what we have been watching? Uh, so me and Joshua Tiruth went to go see Unsane. In the Membrane. Unsane in the Membrane, the new Steven Soderbergh micro feature. Which hits theaters, t- well, you're hearing this probably uh, on Friday the uh, 23rd. It actually starts tomorrow, but there's probably sneak preview screenings tonight, I'm sure. So yeah, we saw Unsane, a new Steven Soderbergh movie, and we had differing opinions on this Yes, on this beast. For those who don't know, Unsane uh, features Claire Foy as a character named Sawyer Valentini. Uh, that is a good name it is a good name it's memorable it sticks in your head yeah uh sawyer valentini a woman who uh has been stalked in the past and decides to try to get some help for it uh she goes to a behavioral institute where uh her rambling gets her involuntarily committed and her stalker may or may not be working there yeah may or may not be is first of all, is Claire Foy? What do I recognize her from anything? You know, I feel like I do. I think let me look her up here on the Almighty IMDb mm-hmm. live. Fact she is checking. on the Netflix show The Crown. Oh, she's the queen. She's the queen. Oh, okay. She's Queen Elizabeth. Got it. Yes. Right. That yes. is what she's in. She was quite good in the movie. Yes. You know, I guess they say you should start with the things you liked. And and you're going to be a lot more um, complimentary of it. Well, I think her American accent was really good. Yeah. yeah. I, I it's would kind not, of a southern thing. Yeah, I would not have thought she was English. But yeah. now I can kind of see it. Yeah, yeah, you know, And it's not... Yeah, I feel like most English actors now, because they all kind of jump to The Walking Dead, they mm-hmm. all do the southern thing right which i find kind of obnoxious but yeah i wouldn't have thought she was not american yeah um i i definitely i i didn't like the movie i mean i i was making these uh expressions through the whole film like and it was it's funny because like i uh i was sitting there and i was like sitting next to you in the theater and i was like just like 
visibly like shaking my head and going like what what is what like at all these plot points that were happening and like i totally thought you were on the same page and then afterwards you're like i really liked it and i was like wow i totally misread the room (laughs) i was like i thought that we were both like this movie is terrible but um no i mean i won't be that reductive and say it's just terrible i i just think that um in my opinion there were some really really dumb um script writing decisions that were made um, yeah, you know things that it's like you know, and and I don't know. I I just I tend to think that people are a little bit more smarter, uh, more smarter. <laughs> yeah, They're more little, smart. Yeah, than exactly. We um, you know, <laughs> they're so much gooder than you. Do. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I just think that people are a little smarter than people give anybody credit for. And when it's like I'm watching movie and in real time, I can think about better solutions than the script writers could yeah. think of. <clears throat> that is something that kind of tends to chat my high just a bit. Um, you know, I felt that there were things that's like, you know, it's like, no, I would have done this. Like, this is a smarter way. And it's like, this isn't a situation of, why did you leave the knife there? Don't go in yeah. that room. You know, normal horror movie tropes. It's kind of like that, that whole, like, you know, that the, the new alien films. It's like, why are you doing that? You're supposed to be smart scientists. Why right. are you sticking your face in that pod? That's an idiot thing to do, right? And so there was a lot of things like that um, that did kind of drive me crazy. Um, I, I, I just more than anything, I was honestly... You know, I'm not in a, you know, in a, oh my God, I can't believe, but I was just a little kind of offended at how the movie um, kind of portrayed mental illness and mm. um, how it portrayed um, the mental, like the behavioral health uh, kind of, you know, kind of industry. Um, yeah. I was like, it's like, come on, like, you know, like, look, if I'm watching a movie like, um, uh, you know what was that? What was that one with uh, the Green Goblin and Chronicle guy that was uh, directed? Oh, the Cure for yeah, Wellness. Yeah, Cure for Wellness, right? So if I'm watching a movie like Cure for Wellness, or if I'm watching uh, the Shutter Island, right? I mean, you know, or even they did this in uh, in American Horror Story. You know, it's like that's mm. a trope, right? The trope of like person that's not crazy gets locked in an insane asylum yeah it's a little bit more believable if you're talking about the old days of like shock therapy and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff it's a little less believable now um so i i definitely did have some issues with that um but i but again i you know i guess i was i was maybe comparing it a little bit uh, you know because this is Steven Soderbergh. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a guy that directed Sex Lies and Videotape. You yeah. know, come on. I mean, it's like this guy is like one of our most talented directors. And when he does something that I believe is kind of like straight to video quality, um, I had a little bit of an but, issue. But I mean, with he it. does this a lot. Right. Like most of his movies now are like this. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know, like, you didn't really like haywire i tend i did like haywire mm-hmm. um girlfriend experience i i actually think was a good film despite sasha gray's awful acting yeah um and he did the other one i can't remember it's like these people working in a doll factory i mm-hmm. can't remember the name that of that came one. out like a year ago i know it, what you're talking it, well about. no this one was actually a lot this like mid 2000s oh, okay. um you know so i you know but but after talking to because you know we sat around talking about it after the movie right and you know, I, I definitely I was a little bit less harsh on it when I did hear your guys's points. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, one of these things, too, I mean, you have to, I think, going into this movie, you have to realize there's clearly a couple of agendas at work. Mm-hmm. One is clearly like I'm saying like a lot. Sorry, folks. I'm from California. <laughs> you know, you know, like, be you know. more smarter. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the sacred cows that seems to be a target in this movie is the idea that if an establishment is set up as a for pay institution that's getting money from 
the rich insurance consortium, it's more likely to be corrupt than not. Yeah. And to be fair, that actually is a plot point in the movie. Mm -hmm. So thinking about it afterwards, it could be, oh, well, that's a sign that that was a corrupt institution right from the get-go. And maybe that's how we could forgive how certain other decisions throughout the movie come into play. Right. So that's kind of one of those things like, it's laid out there. It's kind of subtle, but maybe it shouldn't have been as subtle as it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other agenda seems to be the idea of um, people thinking they're smarter than they are, which yeah. seems to be a big, big thing in this movie. And it's there to forget to to make you like bypass a lot of stupid things that happen in this movie. I don't think it's anywhere near the level of. Um, was it Prometheus? Yeah, right. Yeah, or not Prometheus. Alien Covenant. Well, both where, of them. <laughs> yeah, where scientists who are highly trained are making the dumbest fucking decisions. Yeah. Here it's somebody who thinks they are very intelligent making stupid decisions. Right, right, right. Probably based on stress. Yeah. Um, But I, I will say, I, I don't want to feel like I'm just being an apologist for this movie. I, I like the there's good human interaction here. I, I think Claire Foy does a really good job. She does throughout this movie since essentially she's carrying the whole movie. Um, and Joshua I, Leonard, Joshua Leonard, Joshua Leonard, guys, uh, yeah. plays the stalker in this movie. And if Joshua, you, if you have seen the Blair Witch Project, he's Joshua in the yeah. Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the quote-unquote hot guy from the Blair Witch Project is now the <laughs> weird bearded man-child in yeah. this movie. He's basically like Annie Wilkes meets like uh, Norman Bates. Sure, sure. That's, that, a, that's a good comparison. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the closest thing. And I will say after a couple nights, you know, thinking about it, like I actually kind of liked him in the movie. He was he was pretty good. He was uh, very good at the emotional breakdown scenes yeah 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 i and again uh, i feel like there there's a high level of this movie that's predictable there's a few things that are set up early that do have a good payoff though which i like and towards the end of of the movie there's a lot of like mind fuckery Mm -hmm. going on that's kind of like it will shake you a little bit not to the level of something like gone girl but it's very cleverly done I, I feel like there's a lot of improvisation in this movie. Right. Yes. Like, most of the dialogue feels like there's certain points they're hitting. And after that, it's kind of left to the actors to yeah. fill in the blanks. And I think one of the reasons that kind of works is they have Jay Farrow from SNL, mm-hmm. who plays one of the uh, people who is in this institution. Yeah. And I've never thought anything of Jay Farrow. I thought he was the worst Obama uh, yeah. that yeah, he's uh, not SNL a very ever good had. Obama. Yeah, Fred Armisen. Like he I, does, when, he does a really good Denzel though. Yeah, he does a good Eddie Murphy. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. But other than that, I never thought anything of his run on SNL. And here I was like, oh, maybe his calling is doing this kind of dramatic supporting actor thing because mm-hmm. it, it kind of works he might yeah, have he was, a, he was, he was he might have a little like tom hanks in him at some point yeah, i don't yeah. know but yeah i was really surprised by him i did think juno temple was almost totally wasted i think she was like almost unwatchable to be yeah honest with you. they give her fake dreads and I, I love juno temple like she's in so many movies i like giving good performances and here any i hate i was gonna say any idiot but literally any idiot could have played her part right 
she doesn't bring anything to it. It just felt like a huge waste. Yeah. And I guess like the big takeaway, just the impression I got from the film, and I don't really know anything about the, the uh, creation of this film, but what it felt like to me was like the cinematic equivalent of like a game jam where it's like you have like, a, you know, where if people don't know what the game jam is, it's like you have, uh, you know, game developers get together over a weekend mm-hmm. and then, you know, they kind of s- split off into small teams and they create a small game that is supposed to be playable by the end of the weekend. And they just spend this weekend programming, thinking mm-hmm. of the concept, programming a game. And it's something like that. I mean, similar things have been done with short films. Yeah, um, the film equivalent is what we were talking about afterwards, like Dogman. Yeah, right, and that's know, just which kinda... like Harmony Corinne does all mm-hmm. the time, and so does um the guy who directed Antichrist. Oh uh, yeah, Lars yeah, Lars von Trier. Yeah, yeah, who's a big Cr- yeah. guy. Yeah, um, you know, and so that's kind of the impression I got, and maybe I'm off base on that, but I felt like they were like, okay, let's write the skeleton of a script over a weekend, mm-hmm. let's largely improvise it, let's film it over a week, you know, something yeah. is something along those lines. And I guess if I was uh, kind of qualifying it with those things, I would, you know, might be a little bit more understanding of it. Um, the micro budget thing doesn't really matter to me because, frankly, some of the best movies are made yeah. on micro budgets. I know? will say if you are going to head out to see it, you have to be prepared for, like, um, the weird anamorphic camera. Yeah. Yeah. They use these, I don't know if they're robot cameras or whatnot that they use to switch perspectives. But basically, it seems like they cut between roving fisheye lenses to shoot a lot of this movie yeah totally and it gives it in my opinion kind of a cheap look Um, yeah i I do think it works better uh towards the end of the movie where they use natural light and it has like this really spooky blue look to it rather than like the kind of that had to have been a blue filter you know it might have just been national uh natural light diffused through the lens maybe yeah that's interesting because to me it just seemed like they just put a blue gel over the thing it could be but it's hard to say it looked kind of dry to me but it's I almost thought the yellow was an effect. Right, right. You know. But yeah, that's unsane. I yeah. would give it a middle of the road review. Yeah, I'd give it a um a bottom of the road review, but um, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not look, it's not terrible. It's not yeah. a terrible movie. I think it's terrible by Soderbergh standards, but you know, it's not a terrible unwatchable. Yeah, movie. I feel like Girlfriend Experience is definitely a better movie than right. this, you know. But for someone playing in horror, I'm all for big directors playing in the horror playground. Yeah, for sure. And I love that he experiments. You know, you look at like the film like Schizopolis and that's nothing yeah. but experiments, you know. Yeah. So like I understand that he likes to experiment, but um but yeah, you know. I will say a movie I did see that I can't really say anything good about, despite good intentions from the people involved, was uh Death House. <laughs> Um, basically, uh, this was a movie that was based on an idea by Gunnar Hansen, who a lot of people know as the original Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of basically doing a team-up of, uh, horror serial killers, only one of which is actually in this movie, Keen Hodder. Uh, this has a ton of cameos from people you would see at horror conventions, and I think uh, one of the producers was Evan from Mad Monster, and he's a good guy. And a lot of the people involved in this, I know, are great people. But this movie, to me, was it's basically just a lot of random scenes with green screen, where it's basically a VR program for serial killers, and there's two agents who may or may not be products of the ultimate experiment that's going on. And lots of random death scenes, and it, it feels like one of those movies where somebody had 
just a ton of footage and they were just trying to make it work into something. Right. You know, and like I said, it, it's a low budget feature. There's a lot of beloved icons in here and I'm sure it was kind of a labor of love thing. So I'm not going to slag it too much. Just uh, if you're going to watch it, uh, I would say wait for streaming. That's pretty much what I've heard from everybody regarding that one. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to change much with. I mean, it's just unfortunate that I mean, that's kind of the model now these days is just to have, you know, it's like, oh, we, we've got a few. And there's some actors who really deserve a second chance who really didn't get an opportunity. Yeah, that they deserve better material usually than they're given. Yeah, like, there's a lot of people who really, I think, would shine on screen a lot more if they were given, especially outside of the genre that always I I. I don't like people who get typecast or confined like mm-hmm. you're talking about oh this guy you know he had a tom hanks kind of moment it's like that and you know i can see that comedians especially tend to have that ability yeah to transcend genre probably more than any other actor i i find it's like uh it's I, tough to go the other way yeah it's yeah. really tough yeah. to go the other way i also find just way too many people are uh you know, I mean, there's just people go, oh, I love the actor. I'm like, yeah, they play the same fucking role all the time, mm-hmm. though. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just burnt out from certain uh, actors because I just don't like, I'm tired of that role. It's like, oh, they were great in that one time they did yeah. it. Yeah. Like, their their breakout or whatever, their standout role. And that's like, yeah, now I just, it's I'm just tired of it. It's just a constant retread. So I don't even think about it much anymore. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they start getting washed out of the script and screen fast. Like, yeah. it's like they, uh, I don't know. So, yeah, it's uh, that's the way I'm sure a lot of those films. I mean, and a lot of people said that they're not sure how much of Gunnar Hansen's actual original script or I I don't think there's any included. But the letterbox description, none of this, not, nothing described on um, letterbox. None of the description has anything to do say, with the movie. Though, if anyone wants to see an excellent Gunnar Hansen appearance or a great all star cast of horror icons in a movie, is a oft forgotten. Uh, horror comedy that Anchor Bay put out about 10 years ago called Brutal Massacre. Mm. It's fucking hilarious. Like, it's so over the top in so many ways. It's so cheesy. Like, almost like uh, Student Bodies or Wacko, like one of those early 80s uh, films that riffed on slashers. It's got David Naughton as the lead from American World from London. Mm-hmm. It's got Alan Sandweiss from uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, Evil Dead. And uh, Ken Foray's in it. Uh, Jerry Banab from uh, Four Year Old Virgin and Zach and Miri's in it. Uh, it's got a lot of people from the Kevin Smith movies. It has uh, mm. um, Brian O'Halloran from Clerks and the mm-hmm. whole View Askew universe. Uh, but it's actually really enjoyable. I just feel like that was probably more. And there's, I mean, there's been a few I picked up. I liked the uh, Funhouse Massacre. I thought that was kind of good. There was, there's been a few here and there, but. Like, I don't, the only reason I have half those movies, to be totally honest, is, is that uh, I buy a lot of the special editions from uh, Dark Delicacies, where they're signed by the cast, and yeah. so each of those signatures. Fun fact, uh, Dell is actually in Death House. Is he? Yeah. Dell rules. Dell and Sue <laughs> are both extremely kind people. If you're yeah. out in Burbank, Pasadena area, definitely go check out Dark Dell, or the, like, it, it's literally the, the street of horror in yeah. Burbank. There is what four halloween shops there's like halloween town and then there's creature features there's a comic book shop called blast from the past tons of stuff on that street it's just yeah like it's a, a nice blocks. street yeah it's very good fun. restaurants around there too yeah if i could swing it i'd live there 
Um, yeah, what else did we see this week? Oh, so we saw uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, which also hits theaters tonight and the 23rd. Um, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't really want to spoil it too much, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally, I don't care that much about spoilers for yeah. that film. Um, you know, but, you know, I, I just, uh, I haven't seen it, so. Just keep it to the consensus. Yeah, because uh, I really do want to see. Yeah, like basically, it basically it it picks up a decade after the first Pacific Rim. Um, you know, I enjoyed it. I will say that you'll probably enjoy it more if you just accept the realization before you even see this movie that this is not the Pacific Rim two that Guillermo del Toro oh, yeah, would have yeah. made. And I feel like a lot of people. I knew that from the trailer. I feel like a lot of people don't just can't let that go. I've seen some reviews are basically like, "Oh, I can't wait for Guillermo Toro to come and fix this." I'm like, "Why? Why would he?" (laughs) You know, and it's just this idea. I mean, I'll get on my my little bully pulpit for a minute. The this is one of the things I love horror fans. I'm a horror fan, but one of the things I have a hard time uh accepting in the horror scene is the idea that every movie needs to be a franchise and we have to support the franchise no matter what um this is a good movie in a fran in a movie that they're a good addition to what they want to make a franchise it is a franchise that is clearly not meant uh for people who liked the first movie it's more uh, along the lines of a small movie called Robot Jocks. Yeah. Um, kind of like yeah. this post-apocalyptic world of, you know, scrappers where where you settle things through com- conflict with robots. And there is way more uh, Jaeger fighting in this movie than there is any Jaegers versus Kaiju. Really? Like Jaegers fighting each other? Yes. Huh. Yeah. I was very surprised by that. That's a little more disappointing. No, no, well, no. There's got, there's got, kaiju's in here, and yeah. there's but yeah. but that whole the whole trailer leads up that there's this huge international conflict now that the kaiju have been defeated. Like there's you know who has power. A lot know, of it. World. This has to do well. It's I'm not going to spoil it because this is in my review, which will be on cult following in a little while. Um, basically, it picks up a decade later, and. You know, they are Jaegers, but they're uh, basically they're still used by the Defense Force to kind of rebuild the world. Um, And lots of companies are making money by building Jaegers for essentially the government. And they're trying to transition Jaeger pilots out of the equation and get drone pilots going on. You know, and then there's people who uh, are basically building scrap, scrap (laughs) Jaegers, you know, like picking up parts of... uh, of other Jaegers and making them for the black market. So that's kind of like, you know, the robot jock kind of thing. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then basically there's a big thing that happens over the vote to, you know, are they going to get rid of Jaegers? And then they have to bring in a lot of people who, like, were not ready to be the next generation of Jaeger pilots to kind of investigate what happens and see what's the dealio. Um, there's a couple there. You might like this, uh, Kirby, as we always have to make a note of movies where children die. Hey, hey, it's a Kirby special. Yes. This like, I I will, I, I will say that they do not shy away from, uh, you know, some of these lovely kids do end up getting annihilated. Wonderful. Yeah. Simply wonderful. (laughs) 
And uh, I will say that um, there's a death in this movie that if uh, that you, if you liked the original Pacific Rim, you will be very irritated by because it's always like deaths done to push other characters motivations. All I know is they better not kill Charlie Day. That's all I got to say. Say nothing, but they better I'm not, not going to say Day. anything. And, and I will say that uh, the kid, the main villain of this movie is not who you think it is. Cool. Yeah. Charlie Day. Yeah. <laughs> please, please, please let it be Charlie Day. Oh, now I just, want, now I just want to go have a nice, uh, yeah, early 90s sandwich of robot jocks and robot wars yeah. with arena in the middle. Oh, yeah. How man. to solve all the world's problems. Seriously. Yeah. That's great. That's my childhood right there. You know, yeah. is Robot Wars the one TV. that has um the chick from Joe's apartment and she has like a little robot, like a, she has a mech? I haven't it's, watched this. This is so a Charles Band, but basically, yeah, yeah. They're, they're both Charles Band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were at Full Moon. Basically, Empire there's movie. a character in this movie that the second like they introduced, I was like, oh, that's totally their version of that character. Nice. Yeah. yeah you know? But awesome. it, like I said, uh, it, it's basically like it. Ha- it even has one of the people who's the one of the kids who plays the Jaeger pilots is one of the people in Triple X Two who's part of the Extreme Sports Army, <laughs> you know. And that's another movie that was totally meant to build an international franchise with a Chinese guy. So yeah, the the Chinese DJ in Triple X Two, the Return of Z- or Triple X Three, the Return of Xander Cage is one of the mm. Jaeger uh pilots in this one. Oh, that's right part two was the one with ice, ice cube. cube yes yeah. yeah well actually part three is also the one with ice wow. cube. <laughs> but yeah it's basically meant to build a franchise off of this i i get it that's Wait what that, was ice cube in u.s marshals who is the main guy in u.s marshals uh, was that ice cube no i don't I think, think i'm getting so. this mixed Tommy up. Lee jones i think i know what you're talking about there was another movie yeah, like that there was, was it wesley cool. snipes oh was it i think it was wesley yeah, snipes yeah yeah he was one. the fugitive in u.s marshals yeah okay okay yeah, yeah. well i yeah because i was like is that is is that just an ice cube thing is like he no. plays he, he's in the sequel to movies now <laughs> yeah it could be. Or or O'Shea Jackson Jr. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can take it over. But I, I will say, though, like, you know, I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, you got to put the Guillermo del Toro thing out of your brain. Um, I It's hard to get used to the idea of all the Jaeger fights being in broad daylight. Um, yeah, because all the colors and the neon look oh, so cool. Oh, the graphics. The graphics in Pacific Rim 1 are much better than in Pacific Rim I was going to say Rim graphics 2. like a video game. Yeah. Totally. It's basically totally. No, yeah. totally. I'm not. I'm not arguing it. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we watched Pacific Rim one, and we were just like, no, the graphics in part one yeah. are better. It's still an amazing looking movie. I can yeah. tell from the trailer. Yeah. I mean, just watching the trailer, I was like, this is clearly lower budget. Like, you can obviously see the seams here. Yeah. Um. But you know, again, if it kind of leans into that, again, i.e., in a robot jocks kind of way, I yeah, totally it's fine it's with it. weird because I like I said, part one very much heavily leans towards like the fed the fetishization of you know the japanese otaku thing you know like kaijus and we got giant mechas and this one it's you know kind of that toho tv series version in a way where it's just like oh look it's bright daylight and every building has the same flat lighting kind of thing that's funny um and the fact that there's actually a character in this movie called mega kaiju (laughs) (laughs) awesome yeah but it, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, this is kind of like that, you know, Power Rangers-esque 
thing that's, that's really leaning into of. towards the end. And by that point, I think you're kind of invested in it. And I think John Boyega is actually really good in this movie, and his relationship with some of the characters is solid. Uh, I think a lot of people are just going to leave this movie thinking Scott Eastwood looks insanely like his dad to the point where it's creepy, down to the giant, like, crow's eyes he has. <laughs> but uh, he's he's alright. He's pretty much the Tom Skerritt to uh, John Boyega's Maverick throughout the whole movie. Right. Yeah. So, it, 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 like I said, it's derivative. It's not the best movie but it's it's fun and that's kind of what you want from it i, I like would watch me, it again i like when you talk about the lower quality effects like that's just going to continue on till it reaches unseen levels when pacific rim <laughs> 8 is shot on the iphone 15 <laughs> like it, it'll get there yeah true unsanity yeah but it it's one of those things where, where i think you know guillermo del toro has that eye towards making things seem realistic mm-hmm. and he Likes shooting at night in the dark with filters and interesting lighting. Yeah. And this is one of those movies where, like, you know, Stephen S. DeKnight is the director of the movie. And, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people slag this as calling it Bayformers, but then they praise everything else Stephen DeKnight does. Because he was the showrunner of uh, mm-hmm. the first season of Daredevil. He did every season of Spartacus, and some yeah. of the, some of the people from Spartacus show up, and as well as uh, American Buffy Gods, and Angel, right? Didn't he do American Gods too? Isn't that him, or is that somebody else? Um, Maybe not. No, no, no. That was Brian okay. Fuller. Okay, you're right. Yeah. Okay. But to me, it's like you know, Daredevil is probably one of the last Marvel cinematic shows I was actually into, and I thought the first yeah. season of that was pretty solid. Sure, but 70, it's workmanlike. Percent of it was super good. Yeah, you know? it's a workmanlike film. You know, right. like I said, I'm not falling over my knees to be apologetic for it. I think it stands on its own, but you gotta like check your expectations at the door to a very large degree. I hope I like it, man. Cause, yeah, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been. Because another film that I think we both saw was uh, uh, Tomb Raider. Yeah. Uh, which I was also very nonplussed by. Yeah, it's not. It's not amazing, that, especially when you're talking about like the video game, like the yeah. Yeah, we can talk about Tomb Raider. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. I mean, so it's 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 a rip off of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade on an epic level. Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't feel so much no less fucking epic. Sean Connery, man. Yeah. That he's just, it was nothing. But the my biggest thing is is this is one of the few times i mean i play both modern and retro games but the the tomb raider reboot is a lot of people i haven't played the reboot but a lot of people have said that this is like very close to it oh yeah but not as good but it wasn't well no i mean i can't think of a 15 hour game at the minimum development you know into a a two-hour film but it literally felt the when somebody goes what did you think i go you ever see Jason Takes Manhattan? <laughs> they were on the fucking boat for the first hour. Right, this yeah. This whole movie was this build-up, and then it's like the 45 minutes I in know. Manhattan, and I'm just like, all I want, I don't, like I said, I didn't expect it to be both for budget constraints. I did think the time. effects for the storm were pretty good. You know, no, it's not, like, there are parts of that just, it's not good or bad, it's just that there's parts where they should have spent, you know, the the, the first three minutes. I hated the look of that tomb. Yeah. Like, I wanted that to look, like, super Asian and really creepy and be, like, even the tomb in Indiana Jones 3 is really unique. And this was, like, this looks really modern mm-hmm. and kind of boring. Yeah. Well, it was just, like, I think they ran out of the, the ideas of so much of the stuff. It just, 
But I mean, you know, it is the 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 basic crux of the game is in this movie. Uh, you know, right. altered. I mean, there is way more, of course. Of Do you think they were too effect. slavishly faithful? Is the no? In- I think no. if is they the, were okay, more is the last crusade ripoff angle in the game? No, 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 no. Not that whole no, like going after the dad thing, but yeah. but like but where where it does draw from the game is because the original Tomb Raider games were about like Lara Croft being a badass who shot two yeah. guns, right? And like you know, like she like all that kind of stuff, like a lot like the older yeah. movies were. This one is more like realistic and it's grittier and it's like her getting her ass kicked and, you know, yeah. like getting bloody. And there's like a very, you know, like kind of dramatic scene where she kills a guy for the first time. And it's like, you know, it's it's like a long thing and it's kind of graphic and it's like it's really messes her up having to kill somebody for the first time. So it's like they they copied that direct yeah. part from the game into this film um, and so there were little things like the part with the plane is right from the yeah, game. Yeah, that's right from um, the game. That yeah. looked amazing. That was I, a good set piece. But though. it actually reminded me, too, way too much of Uncharted 2 as yeah, well. Which yeah. is my most desired film from a video yeah, game. But don't worry, they're going to screw it up. They're going to screw it up, yeah. though, because it, it's always going to be... I don't think you can make a good movie from a video game. Because I, in my nah, review... it can happen, dude. In my review, I, most of the games like we really remember from the 80s tend to be rip-offs of movies. Right. And I kind kind of think like one of the like we when we were watching i was like well i like that they kind of cribbed the structure from indiana jones and last crusade i wish they'd been a little less obvious about it i mean down to the fact that when, when she like finds her dad's like well i made sure you didn't have that grail diary essentially it's like yeah. well, i brought it with me you know and i was waiting for like i sent it to you so it wouldn't fall into their hands you know so here's my opinion on yeah. it and I, and I brought this up um when we actually did our video game episode. Yeah. Um, so, you know, okay. So I'm going to mention some movies to you here. Uh, Cold Prey. Mm, I have not heard of that. Magic Silver. Nope. Escape from 2012. The Wave. These are movies? These are all movies directed by Roar Uthaug. Is that the guy who directed, who directed this movie? Tomb Raider. Okay. Okay. So the point is... As long as you just keep getting no-name directors who do movies that nobody's ever heard of to do video game movies, this is the result you are going to get. That's a very valid point. You know, we have never once, not even a single time, gotten a prestige director to do a video game movie. And frankly, the closest thing we have is Ready Player One coming up, which is a video game movie. But we might have to talk about that. You know, like um, you know, but it's it's like um. Yes, that's your most anticipated movie of the year. No. Um, you know, but the problem is, and, and again, I said this before, all it takes is one prestige director coming in, doing a movie that's really good, yeah. and then other ones will follow suit. Um, you know, but until you get that, and you get you get B tier, C tier directors. I, I, and that's kind films. of part of part of it is just the production behind it, because I'm pretty sure um, I remember hearing a Capcom. You know, the, the shitty Jean-Claude Van Damme Street Fighter sure. movie. You know, they produced it. And they have no problems with that movie. That's one of those movies that apparently for them is like a cash cow. Right. Because they make so much money, like, selling it to other countries, syndication. You go to any Walmart, they will have that movie on Blu-ray sure. and DVD. Because people will buy it mindlessly. I saw it Christmas Eve, nineteen ninety four, with my brother. Nice, a no yeah. joke. And it was so weird. Because, Is that when it came out? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was Christmas. Christmas. I night. definitely saw it. They day thought it came out. they thought it was going to be a, a big um, movie because it was 
all there was at that time was Super Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. which was such a blip. And then Mortal Kombat was a little less than a year later right. in August of 95. Was and so awesome. Huge and so awesome. Yeah. I mean, especially for the time. Yeah. But, um, they spent money on Mortal Kombat. It was before was CGI, but sure. like ILM's effects on, uh, like the makeup effects on, like uh, Goro and all that mm-hmm. are still. Yeah. I, I think Stan Winston did Goro. You know. Yeah. And and I mean I will say for Mortal Kombat, I mean that was um you know that was uh, the first film by Paul W S Anderson. Yeah. Um, but then of course he followed that up with, with Event Horizon. S- yeah, which is a good movie, and then he made seven terrible Resident Evil movies. Well, the first, well I think he I did think the five first of them. Evil's I like the first yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the other ones, there's some ideas, but it's once it went into full video game, and that's the issue is is that you know some people just want this. They make like yeah. Resident Evil CGI movies. Which, Which are, are closer to the games, games but you know, Capcom scripts. loves the yeah. Paul W. S. Anderson Resident Evil they movies. Make money. Yeah, they make money on less like uh, the 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 uh, profit margins are great, and the international. Yeah, they, they were one of the first to really capitalize on that. But to Josh's point, I think the thing is, is I think he's spot on with it. It's is that what they try to do is they go, well, we'll put somebody recognizable in the lead. Yeah, yeah. we'll put a prestige actor in here. I mean, fucking, uh, what's his name? Yul Brenner was in Blood Rain. Yeah. So, I mean, it's right. like, you mm-hmm. know, they can put, like, the top tier, and it never makes a difference, but there really has never been one with a prestigious yeah. director well, and, and somebody and, with a and, real good record. And to think be about, fair, well, I mean, there has been one. Um, you know, what do we all agree upon as the best video game movie, other than Mortal Kombat? It's Silent Hill. Okay. Oh yeah, Silent it's Hill. Silent is, Hill. Yeah. And it's because you know, Roger Avery really was into that yeah, game. But you know who who directed that movie? The guy that did fucking Brotherhood of the Wolf. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the point of the which is a good movie that totally you know, almost no movie. one has seen. Dude, awesome movie. Yeah. So the and point that, is that I don't want to yeah, cut no, you good. off, but it goes to that point where like there's these awesome like indie movies that like you know oh that I remember that movie. Try to find a copy of it. But again, go to Walmart. I will tell you, I went to Walmart a week ago and I still saw copies of Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li in right. the Walmart right. $7 bin. Yeah. You know, because ultimately the thinking is we know it's going to make money just based on the subject matter. Why should we spend more for critical praise? Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's all I was. Yeah. But I mean, because they, they, they are they're keeping the industry in the muck. You yeah. Know? I mean, they, that's why, because they'd be able to elevate it. I mean, think about, um, you know, where horror was. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you think about like where, you know, genre films like horror and suspense were for a very long time. And then you, you know, when you have uh, directors like like Hitchcock that kind of elevate the industry it, yeah. it gives it um you know some something that that other directors say okay now i want to do it so now it's like you know most directors most prestige directors they at least will try their hand at horror or sci-fi at least once and i you know i think the same thing if they just treated horror or i'm sorry uh video game movies like they treat comic book movies which is like they get these people that are typically you know these kind of indie directors who do these kind of you know smaller but pretty well respected films and then give them a bigger budget and let them do a superhero movie i think if they just approach the same thing with video game movies we'd be fine um but yeah i mean the biggest crime in my opinion with with uh, tomb raider was it was boring and even bigger than that is that wasted walton goggins you know and i will say walton goggins i feel like he was trying 
I don't know. I've just I, never well, seen I, him I, be so serious in a film. I, that's what I mean. Like he could have just chewed the scenery because Walton Goggins is one of those guys who will make a you know chicken salad out of chicken shit. He's right. been in some fucking terrible movies. He's in like a the G.I. Joe retaliation, <laughs> you know, yeah. he was a transsexual uh, biker chick on Sons of Anarchy. And right. that made that character have yeah. like emotional depth. Yeah. You know, and here he's uh, he's very much hanging on this like melancholic. I I just want to get out of here yeah. to the point where it almost seems stupid throughout. Like, come on, just open the gate and we can get the fuck out of here. He seems believable and it makes Laura Croft seem more of a he, kind of an asshole. He keeps talking about like, I doesn't have anybody, anybody to talk to, but like, what about all the other people? Like there's all these people. He it's doesn't like, really think much of them. I, yeah, I guess. But I mean, come on, you can't tell me one of those machine gun guys you can't have a conversation with. I mean, come on. <laughs> what are they going to talk about? God, I wish we could get out of this, uh, <laughs> this Island. We could, if you told them there wasn't a tomb, right? right. Right, right. You know, <laughs> and like Dominic West, I think is awful in this movie. You know, have seen him worse. Um, you in three hundred <laughs> or yeah, I, I just remember he's not good in three hundred. I kind of feel or, bad or like, for like uh, or like um, Punisher Warzone. Oh he's yeah, he was Jigsaw. And it's dude, I remember oh, I when he used to be Warzone. on the Wire. Yeah. Well, I no, thought and, and, he had such a big career ahead of him. I know he's so good in the, the world. Yeah. thing about Warzone for me is it's just such a ridiculously trashy movie. Oh yeah, that's yeah. why I love it. It's just it wasn't what I was expecting. I was like, because after the the Thomas Jane one, I was like, man, this is really kind of conventional. I, I like, feel like Punisher Warzone is one of the is one of those early Marvels. It's gotten a lot of critical reevaluation in the past. Mm-hmm. The people are kind of like, you know, it wasn't terrible. Like that one, and no. I will say it's the it's the best Punisher. Movie. Yeah, and like I think the uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance yeah. is a fucking awesome movie. Fuck yeah, Neville I, Taylor's. I, I can't. Great. I remember like, this is garbage, and like watch it now. It's no. like Idris Elba just going to fucking town as a crazy French ex monk, <laughs> and just like, and then you have Nicolas Cage just Pissing like fire pissing fire <laughs> i love the whole cult aspect of it. Yeah, like, yeah literal cult and the cult nature of it it's just weird because it's a sequel basically in name only it ignores yeah. the first movie almost entirely and just like no nicholas cage is the best part of this movie no he doesn't need a toupee he's just insane right fuck that shit yeah totally. yeah i love that i movie. just wanted to look it up just because you know i mean this is from like a couple of years ago but relative is like what the most successful video game movies are. You know, looking at going, well, that's why people oh, make more. This, this, this was, will be interesting. It was, uh, yeah. I think we discussed this before. It's Prince of Persia, right? Prince of Persia is actually number three. Oh, okay. Oh, what was a Disney movie? What What do you think number two was? I don't know. Think. Um, Pixels? A phone game. A phone the game. Angry oh. Birds movie. Okay, yep. so we did our last episode before that came out. So I thought uh, that movie bombed. It made money. Well, Three hundred forty-nine dude, million. That even, even on a budget of yeah. seventy million. Wow. I'm not but surprised almost at all. Every single one of this. This is just an article from Screen Rant. Yeah. But it basically covers that every single film on this list, with the exception of few, made all of its money. Like Need for Fucking Speed is like number five. Oh, I forgot wow. that was a yeah. video game movie. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it made some. Let me see here. It was released because uh, they just speed. marketed that as a Fast and the Furious rip. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. two hundred and three million dollars 
on a seventy million dollar budget. Right. It only made forty three million domestically, but made seventy five percent of its two hundred three million. But of course, that's the exact same case for number one, which at four hundred and thirty three million dollars for the fucking horde Warcraft. Oh wow. Oh yeah, but that yep. still didn't make its money back. Yes, it I... did. A uh, hundred and sixty million dollar budget. Wow. Two hundred and twenty million of its three hundred and eighty six million dollar haul. Didn't that China. have a yeah, prestige China. director? Yeah. Though? yeah, yeah, it did, and that's actually a good point. Because that, you know, I don't know if I'm going to call him a prestige director after mute. Oh, that's right. That was the, <laughs> this must have been what sent him into the right. straight to Netflix ghetto. Yeah, exactly. I tried to watch mute the other day. Yeah. It's really boring. Yeah. It's not good. It's really boring and hard to follow. Mm-hmm. I know. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah. It's like, it, 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 I was like, am I just like, like. Am I just tired right now? Because I can't understand what's going on in this this story, and it's like just seems meandering and directionless. Yeah, and I don't understand, you know, really what's happening other than the very basic outline of it. Yeah, like I don't understand like why these people are having this mash inspired conversation. No. You know, like yeah, no, totally. And, and, uh, yeah. and all I really got out of it is that he was in love with that blue haired hooker, mm-hmm. and. Uh, at some point, Sam Bell randomly shows yeah, up. Yeah, just on the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just way to slum it there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah, uh, no, totally. And it's funny because when we did our video game episode, both Warcraft and the uh, uh, Angry Birds movie had not come out. Yeah. So at the time, Prince of Persia was number one. I have to say, I think Warcraft is one of those movies that just like completely fell out of everyone's consciousness after it happened. Yeah, like we, I think people thought that was going to be like the next Avatar, and then mm-hmm. it didn't, and then it, people totally forgot about if it. If it had been released in the mid two thousands, it probably would have made like a billion yeah just based on the fandom at that point in time yeah but it's you know what well, could have been in oh, oh yeah, sorry about go. this we're still working with the filter again sorry uh yeah. you can't see it past the pop filter yeah i really yeah. can't your I mic know, had had, had uh, rotated a bit it rotated away yeah. so sorry for the uh the uh messages from beyond <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no i just tomb raider was one of my most anticipated movies and I knew it wouldn't be anywhere near as, as emotionally powerful or as uh, exhilarating as the game is. It's just not possible no, to duplicate that. But I think that. Alicia Vikander did she very good the, in she it. She, to me, was the, it was totally. the best part of the whole movie. It, it was exactly, to me, I mean, like She is an Lara. Academy Award winner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she should, it was exactly the way Lara is in the game to me. It's that she embodied that really well. It's just and there's some great set pieces and, and except stuff. for it's the just, end, which like hammer fistedly tries to set up a franchise, oh, but bad. also tries yeah. to go back to the whole Angelina yeah, Jolie, exactly. which looks yeah. like that style. Yeah, next time it's, it's going to be fun. I promise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and but, it's, maybe Nick Frost will be her sidekick. <laughs> yeah, right. That was a weird. That cameo. that was a weird cameo. Um, you know, one thing that I, you know, I was thinking about it, and I, you know, what I think that that movie should have been, especially based on the newer games. Is it? It should have been a mix between Indiana Jones and The Revenant. You know, like it should have uh, been like a brutal survival type of. She's clawing her way up cliffs. Well, the game basically opens with her on the island without too many spoilers here because it's the very beginning of the that game. That might have been a good she's way to in, intro she's it. She's literally hanging upside down in like a cave of cannibalism, right? Like because mm. the, the people on the island are fucking cannibals, and it's just one of those things. It's so vicious, and like. 
Josh said that was the one scene that really did communicate well. Transition over was the the first man she kills. It's mm-hmm. like it, it's brutal in the in the video game too, and it's just like I, the gravity of everything with it. Uh, I just it just couldn't have been done. So I mean, we can talk about it forever. It's just one of yeah. those things where you know I, they should have gone Resident Evil with this one, just made yeah. a CGI film, and then they could have really made a. Uh, uh, something that I probably would have enjoyed watching more, um, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, just really quick, because uh, I want to throw it in here. Uh, speaking of like boring, meandering Netflix movies, <laughs> uh, The Outsider with uh, Jared oh, yeah. Leto and Tadanobu Asano. So meandering and boring. <laughs> I've literally put it on to fall asleep twice now. Right. I I just. I, Literally, uh, I can't imagine a a more wooden performance from Jared Leto. Jeez. If he was made of wood, perhaps. <laughs> his starring, put, that, put that on the Netflix box. His yeah. starring role in Pinocchio <laughs> forthcoming. Uh, it's really bizarre because I really thought that movie would be up my alley. Basically, it's about uh, you know, Tadanabu Sano is a Yakuza guy who... Uh, gets Jared Leto's help in a faking a suicide attempt to pass a message so they owe him and he becomes kind of a yakuza member and it's set right after World War 2 and once that happens literally the most boring movie ever he there he uh, shakes down Rory Cochrane and basically almost beats him to death with a typewriter and then the rest of him is him trying to be more Japanese and then at the end, it ends with basically him getting the respect of the Yakuza clans after a skirmish between different clans. I'm like, I hate any movie where it's very much the last samurai. Right. Like, oh, we respect you, white man. You are one of us. All I can ever think of is the uh, uh, Chappelle show, the Paul Mooney. The uh, Paul Mooney goes to the movies. Is it uh, Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks is the last samurai. <laughs> are, are you fucking kidding me? It's just like, but that's, I mean, you know, whatever. They've been doing that forever. The 47 Ronin. Yeah. Which I think is still in the top two or three biggest box office bombs, if not the top ones. Yeah. But, um, I just, I mean, I, I, I was interested. It piqued my interest when I saw the, the kind of, uh, description. I was like, oh, this could be interesting, but I'm like, I, I it, all these movies to me, I always love them because they're always like it's also on the other side with like gang movies. Yeah, like this is totally like the American me, blood in blood my, out. My, my take on it. it is, what if they did a movie like that in America, where like there's uh, a gang, uh, you know, like a Mexican like gang banger guy in Mexico, and they like take in a white dude, and it's like Tom Arnold, it's Tom Arnold <laughs> joining like some street gang or the mexican drug cartel because i remember blow is very much i've had a very hard time with blow for this same reason it's like they accepted me as part of the cartel i was familiar you know (laughs) oh god but if they did that with like you know the street gang the white guy who becomes the most badass og you would never accept it but somehow with like yakuza or cartels yeah i could see a white guy taking over the yakuza 
Well, it's just one of those ones where I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but it's just, it's the classic gaijin, and it's like, no. Oh, yeah, they use that I, word no. in here. Well, they call just, him a gaijin. I am so tired of these movies with this thing with, like, that it's, I don't, I don't want to go into it. But it's just one of those things where, you know, this would never have happened, period. Yeah. Um, no. But, hey, whatever. All right. So let's jump in, since I know Kirby has to get out here, so he's still at 25 minutes. Oh, no, no. I've, minutes. I've got, like, uh, I, I've got some time here. I just, uh, trying to make another, I gotta make an appointment, but, uh. Are there any more movies we want to talk about that we've seen? No, not too much. I'm, I'm just, uh, I did go last night to a, uh, Thank screening, you. um, of uh, Vertigo on the big screen. Oh, nice. Which was kind of cool. Um, and uh, I'd never seen that movie on the big screen. I absolutely love Vertigo. Um, so it was cool seeing it like with an audience. I mean, audience as such as it was, it screened on... Well, s- well how did the audience skew? I'm curious. Oh, definitely older. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a lot of people that what I would say were, you know, above 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one grandmother who brought her like grandson. So that was kind of nice. He yeah. seemed to enjoy the film. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I was, uh, other than that grandson, I was the youngest person in there for Uh, sure. Um, that just bothers me so much. I really, you know, we're in this age now where there's so many people who claim to be film critics Uh who don't watch anything made before the eighties. Yeah. And it really fucking bothers me. You know, I, uh, just like, uh, at, as an aside, I was watching some show earlier about tattoos, right? And this girl's uh-huh. talking about how she has a tattoo on the side of her ribs that says, if you could read my mind, love. It's like, and you know what that is? And the guy's like, Johnny Cash. And they give themselves a high five. And because it was one of those covers that Johnny Cash did on his last American album. But it's a Gordon Lightfoot song. Right. You know? But. Right. I, I just it's yeah what, Gordon Lightfoot motherfucker that's a good fucking song dude don't even start even no, Dwight Yoakam does an awesome cover I, no of I'm it. just saying the whole like the high fiving kind of culture like yeah. did you get my reference and it's not even the correct one yeah. it's like oh do you even know that song I mean anybody it's like anything can but be uh, snobbery aside it's good to like look at if you're if you're saying you're getting into criticism it's good to like you know, educate yourselves on the basis of, of films. Well, especially with a movie like Vertigo, yeah. which is now considered the best film of all yeah, time. Yeah, it beat, um, um, uh, it beat Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. And it's it's really, uh, what I like is it was like a Fathom Events, um, it was like a Turner Classic Movies yeah. Fathom Events special thing, um, which I really like because they had um, like the full, like they do on TCM, the full introduction. Oh, nice. And then like the, the after discussion thing too, um, which was really awesome. And he actually talked about you know kind of the rise of vertigo and talked about how like when um you know when the afi uh did their uh rating of 100 films you know he talked about like when they did it in 1980 it was rated number 60 yeah and then 10 years later it was rated number nine and it like kept on rising and rising and he's like the film hasn't changed but our understanding of what makes a movie good has changed yeah um and uh you know and, and for a genre film like that you know it took time for a genre film to be respected yeah in the way that it is now um and i think that you can see that even if you just look at the fact the shape of water just one yeah um you know we are we are getting to a point finally where genre films are respected a little well bit a lot more. of it too is genre is allegory it's usually a mm-hmm. way to explore things you can't really touch on in other ways yeah absolutely you know 
And I think one of the things that Vertigo really uh, hit the nail on the head really early was the nature of obsession. Oh, big time. Yeah. You know, uh, and it's weird because I, I, I wonder what it would have been like to see that movie when it first came out. Because, you know, there's this whole idea we have of Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure at that point it would have been like, oh, this is a man who's catatonic with grief. Yeah. And it's a tragedy. He loses her at the end. And now you could look at it as it, with a completely different reading. Like, you know, this guy is just obsessed with an idea. Uh-huh. And when he has something real and tangible, he lets that go because he'd rather have this stupid obsession. And it gets this girl killed because well, she loves him so much. But the ridiculous thing is that the woman he fell in love with was her. Yeah. He, he, you know, the, the, the he's in love that, with this idea that yeah, never existed, it never existed. And the woman that he loved that he shared those moments with was standing right there in front of him. Yeah. And I think that it's not just about the nature of obsession, but kind of what we do with love yeah. and how we build people up in our heads sometimes. Yeah. And we self-sabotage ourselves. Totally. I think she was genuinely in love with her. I honestly don't think he ever loved her. No, no, he he never did. I yeah. think that he was, I mean, he was genuinely, I think, kind of incapable. And I, and yeah. I do like, because that is established early on yeah. as a character trait of his, because the way that Midge is there. Yeah, and oh, obviously I feel loves so him. bad for Midge Yeah, and the way that he movie. treats Midge, um, you know, 100%. But, you know, and that's one of those things about movies, too, like, she wore glasses. You know, she would never end <laughs> yeah, up right? with Jimmy yeah, exactly. Stewart. Yeah, Ugh, right. So weird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and so I, it, it's just a lot of the themes that were happening in that film. I mean, beyond just the filmmaking, which is absolutely stunning. Yeah. Um, the the way the, the score, oh the opening God. title credit. You oh know, man, there's so much good in that movie. There's uh, there's you know what actually um made me appreciate Vertigo because it's a film that I I had not seen. And there is uh, there's that scene in Twelve Monkeys, yeah, where they go into the movie theater and they're watching Vertigo, yeah, and it actually mirrors it because she dyes her hair blonde, yeah, at that point in the film. Um, and you know, he's always been obsessed with her since the past when he saw exactly. her as a boy. It's very right. much a deliberate mirror, yeah. Which yeah. of course you know, and I'm sure that's why Terry Gilliam put that in to yeah. say, hey, you know, this is an homage, obviously, um, you know. But there's that scene where she's like, you know, she's looking at the rings on the tree and she goes here's where i born here's where i was born and there i died it was only a moment for you took no notice and i was like god that's such a good line and i never even knew what vertigo was and Mm. it's like here's where i was born and there's where i died and i'm like what does that even mean and then of course now you understand once you watch vertigo um you know but so after that and that was actually right around the time that they did the restoration of vertigo um and so i you know i picked it up on dvd and i was like holy shit this movie's incredible um so yeah it was really cool i mean i would have loved to see more people out there like like you said yes these people who call themselves critics and call themselves cinephiles and they certainly weren't there i will say that they had two screenings of it um they had one on sunday night and then one on mm-hmm. wednesday night this was the wednesday night when i went to so maybe the sunday one was more yeah filled. it could be but there was all of 12 people in the I, I, I this is one of those things i hate too about online ticketing because i looked mm-hmm. it up the other day when i saw it and it said there's no upcoming 
show times for it. Right. Of course, after you told me, I looked it up, and then it was there. I'm yeah. like, come on, man. Well, that's what really ticked me off, because um, when uh, I saw the advertisements, it said one night only, one yeah. night only, right? And so I I went out of town to Flagstaff last weekend, and I was, like, rushing back to try and make the screening, because I had plans to go see it. And, uh, and I was like, you know, we're, like, speeding back from Flagstaff so I can make this freaking screening. And then when it looks like I'm not going to uh, do it, I go to the Fathom Events website, and it's also on wednesday i'm like well i would have stayed in flagstaff for longer yeah. Um, so yeah that stuff is bad and also there was some quality issues like i i was um i was honestly pretty unhappy with it first of all i wasn't able to use my movie pass because it was a fathom events oh, special God. screening that's such bullshit um, yeah guys. so like uh so then um but then like i'm watching a movie and there's like this purple line that is just slowly going from the top of the screen to the bottom of the oh, screen. Oh, so there was an error or, in the DCP. Right, is that what it was? Yeah. So and it was and it was the whole movie. The whole movie it was happening. And it was extremely distracting. And I went and I talked to him like, hey, there's something wrong with the projector. Um, you know, I don't know what this is. And then there they nothing changed. And I went afterwards and they gave me a free pass to go see another movie some other time. You know, so it was like it's funny you know, that the only other time I've asked for a free pass was I told Fathom, there was a Fathom event, and I mm-hmm. said, Jeepers Creepers 3 was so bad, I wanted all my money back right now. Uh-huh. And the lady was like, yeah, we've been kind of doing this all night. <laughs> and I was like, you're fucking right, you have yeah. But it was also because someone didn't open the curtains oh, at uh, Esplanade for the screen. Oh, wow. And I was like, so for the first 20 minutes, and if you haven't seen Jeepers Creepers 3, the one thing you got to know is the opening scene is literally so dark, you right. can barely make out oh, half God. it. And so it's like, oh, great, thanks so much, really appreciate it. Nice. So, yeah. But yeah, they um also I, I just want to say Movie Pass whenever I need it always fucks up. The dude, app. it fucks up bad. It, it yeah. what kills me the most is I had to pay for Tomb Raider. Oh, dude. But it was, uh, you know, I'm like, oh my god, yeah. why am I paying for this? Like, dude, I went so I when I went to go see Tomb Raider, I almost had to pay for Tomb Raider. That's funny. So I go to see Tomb Raider, I go to AMC, and um I check in on the app. And it's like, buy your tickets now and everything. And then he he's swiping the card. And he's like, oh, it's not working. It's not working. He's like trying to you know do it on the app again. And I'm holding it up. I'm like, dude, I did it. And I do it again. And it says, you already registered for this screening. And he's like, oh, it's not working. And so I go to, and he's like, well, maybe try the register next to me. I go and try that one. It totally works. You know? So yeah, uh, they've really got some things to iron out with movie, with, uh, with MoviePass. Well, but there was... Literally, I'm there. There's four other people using MoviePass, and all like older people too. So it's definitely catching That's on. That's cool. Um, but they've really got to work that stuff out. Yeah. I also, I think, my... I think if I didn't go to as many press screenings as I did, or my schedule, I'd probably right. do the MoviePass. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because you know, uh, you know, there's always um, through the through the website and everything, you're always like, you know, putting out these things for those you know early screening passes. But they're not, you know, unless you're a VIP or press. Yeah. I, I'm not interested. Like, I'll wait. I'll go because I, you know, those. Those things are shit shows. Like I'm not interested in go- having to get there three hours early. And oh stand yeah, in that damn dude. Line. When, when we went to go see Pacific Rim. Like we were having a chat with some friends, mm-hmm. and this lady comes up to us and just tries to interject herself in the conversation. I mean, that's fine. I, uh-huh. I, I get that, but like then she like pulls out all these passes. Like she has her whole week planned right. out around these uh free screenings like i'm going to a, a stub screening of ready player one tomorrow and then right. the day after that i'm going to see uh sherlock gnomes and oh, i was kind of like i'm so I, jealous i i just said do you, it so how many movies do you go to a week because i'm just kind of 
Uh-huh. So like, well, as many as I can get into. Right. And this is like a person who sits there and waits all day long. Yeah. It's like, but usually on the west side because I don't like to drive and wait. You know. Right. And I get it. There's people who have disability and nothing else going on. But sure. I just I can't imagine waiting like 12 hours all to i can see think of movie. is like the extreme couponing kind yeah. of people where it's like that's cool that you save money or you have all this stuff like especially if you have a family i understand a little bit more but you're also like a fucking loser too like <laughs> and i'm gonna like be like straight up there's just a point with people too like like that kind of thing like constantly like i, I mean like i said if you don't have a lot of money i understand like mm-hmm. whatever ways you're gonna be able to save money or get into stuff i can respect that to a point but there's also just it really pisses me off with people who have the money and have the means. Sure. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I just I do everything for free. You know, it's just kind of like, I don't know. And part yeah, of it, me respects the game, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, I, I respect the hustle of it. Um, you know, well, no, but... no, no. I just mean that it's it's a half and half thing. It's it's kind of like the whole, like, Victor and I were talking a couple weeks ago about, like, the flipping culture thing. It's like, sure. you know, if somebody wants to go give you 20, 30 bucks for a pop Funko you spent 10 bucks on. I mean, it always is going to be that matter. It's like, yeah, I don't really care about that. It's when people deliberately go and do it. Yeah. And it's like, hey, thanks for taking the one thing I wanted because you're a piece of fucking shit. And I have, and I would, if I actually, you know, when I see people, I will call them out because I think it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like, you know, there's only 50 of them or 100 yeah, of them. Yeah, totally. And you intentionally, it's not something like mass market. I could care less yeah, about yeah. that. Well, you know, there's only like 20 or 30. Of it. It's the Mondo culture that we always talk well, about. Well, I'll but... put it like this. I went to Toys R Us this morning because mm-hmm. the liquidation they started. started? Well, I, that's what I read online. So I went to Toys R Us and I asked them, oh, so what are the discounts? It's like, well, we're actually pushing our, our liquidation back a few days. It's uh-huh. just whatever's marked. Uh-huh. Yet they already had all, a big line thing set up. And this was like at 11 in the morning. Their parking lot was full. Right. And they were just, there are people with, you know, Suckers. carts full of stuff that wasn't discounted dude i know it's it's so stupid um and people are suckers because they're yeah. gonna go there and even even when they do 10 percent, 20 percent off because that's how those things always start yeah, they exactly. start 10 percent. but then, this was like know. nothing they had like maybe like buy two wwe basic yeah. figures for 15 bucks yeah. which is a regular sale right that's the point so it's like people they just don't know what's up they go there and 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 hey, that's fine. I mean, people can make their money. All you know what I want? I, I want. I just want to go to Toys R Us and get myself like a a Jeffrey Giraffe stuffed animal or something. Yeah, you know, just mm-hmm. something since Toys R Us is going away. Like mm-hmm. I want. I want to just have some kind of Toys R Us memento. Sure. Um, but as far as toys go, come on. Well, maybe, it's just you know, one of know. those things. I I don't understand people. Like I grew up with Toys R Us, but I mean, I stopped shopping at Toys R Us for, like since probably since I was oh, a kid. Yeah, me too. I go or in early teens. I go. There's never been a point going to Toys no R Us. Point. No, there. It's very overpriced. I, yeah. I, the only yeah. time I went to Toys R Us in the like past few years and actually got things was uh, when NECA was doing these Toys R Us exclusive figures, like yeah, the yeah. Christopher Reeve Superman or totally. the sure. Heath Ledger Joker. You could only get them at Toys well, R yeah, Us. But exclusive. you could still get them on the website, too, right? Yeah, but you had yeah. to kind of jump on it, and yeah. I kind of like picking the paint job. And totally. it wasn't hard. You just had to like go there when they came yeah. out. Uh, the only time I went to Toys R Us in the last few years um, was uh, 
for Force Friday last year uh, when they released Last Jedi toys, and it was the yeah. worst decision ever. It was awful. Um, like it was such a joke. Like I mean, I'm. It was just it, in a way. It's like I'm almost glad I did it because I got like a video for my One Second Every Day project of like a guy in a Jeffrey Giraffe outfit. Yeah, you know. And so I was like, that'll be something nice to look back on in ten years when there's no Toys R Us. Right. Um. But it was. Uh. You know, we waited there. I mean, I felt bad for Austin because he was there for two hours. I just joined him late in line, and uh, we go in there and there was literally they had like three action figures and they did a midnight release and they had like three and i'm i don't mean three versions they had three action figures all there, together all together there um it was it was a joke like i mean no we none of us bought anything because there was nothing worth buying so we got our free t-shirt and our our free poster and then we just left and it was like are you kidding me and obviously i mean you know we didn't you know chew out the people that work there they're not the ones that choose no. what inventory they get but it was like i mean and you wonder why Toys R Us is going out of business. I mean, if they can't even compete on something like that, which should be a good business opportunity for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I remember very many fond memories of Toys R Us. I mean, I've spent a lot of time writing about them on Facebook, on different groups like the Dead Mall Enthusiast group and things. And, you know, talking about, hey, these are some of my memories about going there as a kid because it was the Arizona summer and we were, you know, little, you know, seventh grade, eighth grade rugrats didn't have anything to do. We'd go hang out in the air conditioned Toys R Us and they'd, you know, they'd never kick us out. They'd let us just wander around all the time. We'd hang out in the Lego aisles. Mm -hmm. We'd see a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toy we really wanted. We'd, you know, if we didn't have money for it we'd take and stash it uh in the area where you know we thought nobody would yep. want anything you know same thing with the video game slips like we you know if there was a video game you know we wanted we'd take the slip we'd go hide it somewhere oh i remember the slips yeah yeah, yeah totally you know so like you know it's like it's some good memories but that that time that time is in the past so it's yeah. so weird that people like are starting to like this like the 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 bizarre amount like i can those are all like memories too that i have stuff like that or mm -hmm. things like that i think ava grew up in that generation and a lot of generations but i think toys r us's like uh empire was you know especially the 80s onward i mean it really was it was also a different time back then mm -hmm. um but it's just one of those things and it, you know it had great commercials the jeffrey you know all these kinds of things but i i'm seeing these people i'm like come on I mean, what toys r us memories do you have from 2012 right. you don't like i i don't understand that and I'm, it's really i i know i'm always the old man asshole here <laughs> but i it's not even because i'm trying to be it's just one of those things like people it's just so cheesy like just trying to jump in and be a part of things uh it's like if you have a memory share it if you, you know whatever you can no matter what but it's just like these like it's that's what drive fuels those people like full of carts is yeah. they're like or I bought this at Toys R Us. Like that's going to be in the eBay listing. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. this is got, like, I'm going to somehow, what do you call it? PSA certify this as purchased from Toys R Us. They're yeah. going to be able to use my receipt or something included with the, <laughs> we're going to get that, make sure that's a mint receipt too. Yeah. It's just mm -hmm. one of the dumbest things. But I mean, that's also one of the things I hate, uh, uh, like as, as an adjacent point to how much I hate, more and more collectibles culture and the whole pop culture thing is because of the, these attitudes of I, I don't even know what it is I, I can't even i don't know if there's a descriptor for it but it's just you should make up one yeah i'll right. come up with something and eventually maybe it'll be on urban dictionary <laughs> and then i can you know that'll be a tick off the bucket list
but yeah, sorry. That was okay. the tick noise. That was the <laughs> tick noise. But uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where like, yeah, we were. To- I was at Toys R Us, and it was just like, they've got three Marvel Legends figures, no WWE figures, and a bunch of Meredith Vickers Prometheus toys. <laughs> and well, they, and- I, I just want to know, since we discussed it last time, is the World War Z toy there? Oh, no. God. God, I was really old. And I that. noticed the collector Dude. section that they had is now like mainly pops. Uh, and that makes sense. I, it's just one of those things like, you know, do we really, it, may, it opens the question, do you really need Toys R Us? No. In an age where like everybody's just buying pops. You really, really And they don't. sell them everywhere. Which, yeah. by the way, I did go to, I, I do love and fully support Collector's Marketplace. That's oh, a yeah. great selection. But one of the things that cracks me up is every time now they have like an open, um, on Saturday mornings you can go and you can get a table and stuff. It's just like a pop of Palooza. Yeah, it's just everybody brings their pop collections, and I'm sitting here going, "You really that that that's the sweet revenge for me is when the <laughs> ROI doesn't work out, yeah. and I can just point and laugh. It's right. like if you like pops, buy them. I have a lot of them, but I didn't pay anything more than generally the original price for them. Yeah, and it was also well, a lot of times like people who have the really expensive ones are still stuck with them. Like, I've, oh yeah, you know, I've had friends of mine who like they uh. Can you? Because I'm good at haggling. I've haggled down expensive pops for them, and it, my my uh, technique is basically like, well, I don't. If you don't want to sell it to me, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I can yeah. walk away from this. I have no investment. That's the best haggling technique. Yeah, that's how I got such a good deal on my car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a lot of people are like, oh, once you've shown interest, they have you on the hook forever. I'm like, no, nope. he wants it. I'm just trying to help him out. Yeah, I'll just tell him to get off of eBay. I'm like, Ugh. totally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and that's and that is what it boils down to, and and pretty soon, I I don't think it's gonna hit the full beanie baby bottom. You that, don't. Like, There's no, so many. Yeah, no, I don't think it's gonna There's hit so that many one more way than there were just, ever beanie babies. Yeah, but I think that the uh, the beanie baby thing, it's just that you know people will still be into the pop culture thing, but again, I, I think it was just because it was a replacement for Mighty Mugs. I I think I mentioned Mighty that Mugs before. are better. Yeah, but exactly. But that was the thing. It was just they they carved out the market better and did more of a thing. Even though the Mighty Mugs technically were, it's kind of, it's weird to me because Mighty Mugs are more like the Titans and yeah. P- Funko Pops are more like the uh, well, the Funko minifigs too. Mm-hmm. It's like all kind of the same, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I did end up getting. By the way, I did end up getting it. It was luckily it was one of those. Um, uh, those uh, Amazon add-ons, oh, okay. um, but yeah. I got I got my Valerian to go with the uh, Laura line that you got me. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, I yeah. if you need the rest, I'll stop by <laughs> Hot Topic. No, I, I um bought actually. That speaking of Titans, I bought the uh, Preacher ones. They were originally I think twelve dollars and ninety cents each Jeez. for the minifig. Yeah, um, they were discounted down uh three three for five. Wow. So I, I pretty much have, I think, the whole set now for the equivalent of probably like thirty or forty dollars. That would have been regularly a hundred or two or three hundred bucks. Wow. So yeah, wait for the clearance sales, kids, and don't wait for Toys R Us to clearance it out. Yeah, no, there's because they're there's going, I love options. how they're going like eighty and ni- I love how these like black 
Friday kind of website to like, we're speculating on the market that they might get down to 90%. And I'm like, yeah, they will when they've got three yeah, things left, left in the, the store, store. You know, yeah. it's, it's always how it is. I mean, I remember going to the Circuit City one, dude. And it was like, you know, by the time it was anything worth anything, there was nothing. It was like a bunch of like coaxial cables. Yeah. You know, there's like, there's no real point. And then it will be Prometheus figures yeah. for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. The coaxial cables of Toys it's R Us. a bunch of Rose figures from Last Jedi that nobody wants. That is true. Mm-hmm. Too. Yeah, that's also true. Um, yeah, so you know, if you want to get to the uh, the thing here before uh, Kerbal's got to go. Oh no, it's all good. I mean, if you had anything else that you really want to talk about, there's we can do on the next one. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that'll take like a huge amount of time. No, I don't either. Yeah, okay. yeah for sure. Um, so uh, so yeah, so you know, just yeah, I thought that you know, there I've been the reason I brought this up is just because there are a few films that I am you know very very much looking forward to this year. Um, and I was just curious if you guys had any um, that you've been, you know, kind of really looking forward to. Uh, I saw a few trailers the other day. So there, I have a couple that looked really interesting. Um, uh, Hereditary. Yeah, I was just yep. going to say that's that was my one top of mine. one. Yep. I was like, holy yeah. fuck. I have no idea what this movie's about other than I really want to watch it. And I just the trailer for it was like crazy. I know. Um, you know what? uh it, 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 it reminded me of kind of that feeling I got when I watched the first trailer for Get Out. Yeah. You know, when I was like, I don't have any idea what the fuck this movie's about at all. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, obviously I know it's like, you know, some dude going to meet his girlfriend's parents, but like, that's it. But all this weird imagery that's in the film, I have no idea what this could possibly yeah. mean. Um, and that's one thing I love about that Hereditary trailer is just um, not only it's it just look gorgeous, like it looks yeah. like, it, it, you know, is a really great looking film um, with some striking imagery. But what the fuck is the movie about? Yeah you know it's really hard to tell i mean just like there's like the is it about weird dolls is it about possession yeah well it almost seems like i mean but i also you know because i've kind of put some things together from the trailer that i think are are probably misdirections you know it kind of gives you almost like this impression like the grandma has possessed the little girl or something but yet they show them like both alive at the same time um so it's like you know maybe and is the little girl deformed or just weird looking i mean she's just got to be you know i mean i think that's how she actually looks yeah so i think she is definitely just you know creepy little girl but yeah i mean which is they show like that burning person yeah you know just all that stuff yeah hereditary looks absolutely fantastic and um i looked up the uh the date on that one that was june um gets released in june not too much longer now yeah getting close yeah Yeah, for sure it'd be a nice summer horror film you know those are always nice yeah um i saw a trailer for this movie the other day that looked really interesting it's called um i think it's called bad samaritan oh yeah 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 and um it has david Tennant in it and um there's this british tv show it's called uh misfits Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the one of the leads is this kid who was on that show. Basically, it's like there's these kids who are valets, uh-huh. and what they do is they like when people go to the restaurant, they like steal the car while the person's having dinner and use their keys to like break into people's houses and steal shit. Mm-hmm. And um, what ends up happening is David Tennant leaves his uh, fancy ass car while he goes to have dinner. Guy steals it, you know, figures out where he's going from looking at the GPS where the house is, goes to his house, and when he breaks in to steal shit, he finds out that David Tennant has a torture dungeon in his house, and he has a girl tied up there. Wow. 
right? Yeah. And so like I, I think what we talked about it's it seems like don't breathe. Oh, in well, that way. I I only told you that little bit. Right. The rest, what happens is the guy has to leave early. So like his buddy's like, you need to get back here. You need to get back here right now. He's asking for his car, so he doesn't let the girl go, and he like you know drops the car off and he's just giving his look and then when he gets home he tells his girlfriend and they call the cops and the cops go and they can't find anything so then david tennant makes stalking this guy his hobby oh wow so do you, i just looked this up um this is fascinating you know this movie is directed by dean devlin oh really yeah Oh, that's a good pedigree right there. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting pedigree, especially, like, so it's not written by him. Yeah. Because, um, you know, he's mostly a writer. Yeah. Um, and so that that's actually pretty fa- uh, pretty fascinating. So he, um, I think he is not directed. Oh, he directed Geostorm, apparently. Oh, wow. Okay. Forgettable movie. All right. Yeah. By the way, did anybody notice there was this movie that came out completely under the radar called Hurricane Heist? No, I heard about all it. All I could yeah. think of was Hard Rain. Yeah, like, I was like, yeah. "Is it from the same writer?" Like, <laughs> please be something like that. That oh, would be man. amazing. Yeah, Hard Rain too. I know, but yeah, the, you should check out the trailer. It looks right. like I was like, "Really? Whoa! This looks really freaky." Awesome. Yeah, and then the other one that I actually didn't think I, I you know, I'd gotten an invite to go see it, and I was like, kind of like. Eh, probably don't want to go see that. And I watched the trailer for it, and I was like, holy fuck, is uh, Bloomhouse's Truth or Dare? Okay. And one, I, it, to me, I like the fact that it's called Bloomhouse's Truth <laughs> or Dare. Okay. I was is like, that a new thing, I think? You well, think I think people are realizing now that Bloomhouse actually has, if it's from Bloomhouse, it's usually like... Yeah. Pretty solid. Yeah, not always. Not at the not They're the gallows. A- actually, well, it? not the gallows, but like I Happy Death Day. Well, I certainly Get Day. Out. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know. But yeah, it, it, it's just like I think it's also because there is uh, a horror film already called Truth or Dare. Ah, oh, okay. So gotcha. that could be why. But yeah, it, it was Good just it, you watch watch the trailer for it. and It's kind of like freaky, hmm. you know. And I was like, whoa, this is really like the interesting. Real Ghostbusters. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, no, that's cool. Is so you say. You said you got invited to it, so I, I assume that comes out soon? Yeah, it comes out in April. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that looks pretty good. So I'm looking forward to those three movies. Um, Definitely for me, uh, another one that comes out very soon um, that I am extremely excited for is A Quiet Place. Oh, I. right. Yeah. That yeah. does look interesting. I heard the little the little kid in that is actually deaf. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and, uh, that thing has been getting insane early reviews. Yeah. Um, it's currently sitting at, I believe a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Um, and it's got, it's not just from three critics either. I mean, it's got a significant amount of critics, so it must've been out there in screenings. Yeah. I think um, it played it South by Southwest. Yeah. It, de- it did play it South by Southwest. And so, uh, yeah, just, just some really over the moon, um, praise for that film. Um, and directed by John Krasinski, apparently. Yeah, starring yeah. him and his wife, Emily Blunt. Oh, I didn't know that Emily yep. Blunt was his wife. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that movie, again, I'm super excited for that film. That that one's just, I mean, gosh, that's like a, a week away now, I think. it's a, or It's April 5th, so maybe two weeks away at this yeah. point. Um, I think know. the press screening for it is next week. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, if there's an open spot for that, definitely let me know because I'm cool. super excited for that movie. Um, and uh, and then also, um, 
you know, and so this trailer just dropped and uh, anybody that knows me uh, knows that I never shut up about how much I love It Follows. Oh, is that the new Robert Mitchell movie? Yeah, so yeah. the new David Robert Mitchell trailer. So I had heard, so I had been ravenously, um, like, you know, just tr- just completely trolling the internet for like, hey, where where the fuck is this guy's next movie? Because it's been a while since It Follows. Yeah, it's called um, Under the Silver Lake. Yeah, and um, this film was apparently, it had a release date listed on IMDb of last year. Mm-hmm. And all year long, I'm like, when's this movie come out? I even tweeted at him and he never got back to me. I was like, dude, when's it coming out? I'm desperate to know. Um, and uh, finally, we just got a trailer and it's got a release date, which apparently is a tentative release date in IMDb of June. Wow, this has a really interesting poster. Did you see it? Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. Is that just the white one? Yeah, it's just yeah. the white yeah, one. Yeah, it yeah, says yeah. Under yeah. The soup. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, have you watched the trailer yet? No, I have not. Yeah. So it's um. So the trailer is really interesting. It's got a look to it that is right in line with um with uh it follows in terms oh, of yeah. um it's just got this like gorgeous kind of you know just uh you know there's he has a look to his films that i think definitely translates here um but it's uh it also looks like this movie could either be incredible or it could be an absolute trash fire it looks pretty um, good i'm reading i got a press release about it from a24 uh-huh. yesterday awesome and it says uh from the dazzling imagination that brought you It Follows comes a, delir- a delirious neo-noir fever dream about one man's search for the truth behind the mysterious crimes, murders, and disappearances in his East L.A. neighborhood. Sam Andrew Garfield is a disenchanted 33-year-old who discovers a mysterious woman, Sarah Riley Keough. Oh, she's on the mm-hmm. Girlfriend Experience TV show. Frolicking okay. in his apartment's swimming pool. When she's also she... quite good in uh, It Comes at Night. In, uh, and uh, in, Mad Max. And Mad Max, yeah. Yeah, when she vanishes sam embarks on a serial quest across los angeles to decode the secret behind her disappearance leading him into the murkiest depths of mystery scandal conspiracy in the city of angels from writer david david robert mitchell comes a sprawling playful and unexpected mystery comedy detective thriller see that's the thing so so you know that the vibe i got from this yeah. thing is this this thing could also it, it, it could wow be, that is a weird description well and, and you just have to watch the trailer because yeah. the, the vibe it, of this thing is very bizarre um and it, it gives me this feeling that it's like look this movie could be great or it could be southland tales yeah it says it's dennis the citizens the denizens of the city dog killers aspiring actors Glitter pop groups, nightlife personalities, it girls, memorabilia hoarders, mass seductresses, homeless gurus, reclusive songwriters, sex workers, wealthy socialites, topless neighbors, and the shadowy billionaires floating above and underneath it all. Mining a noir tradition extending from Kiss Me Deadly and The Long Goodbye to Chinatown and Mulholland Drive. Mitchell uses the topography of Los Angeles as a backdrop for deeper exploration into the hidden meaning and secret codes buried within the things we love. And so, again, like, you know, wa- you know, watching that trailer and hearing that description tells me it could be a Southland Tales. It could be. It does sound very Mulholland Drive. Yeah, but it, it also just like when you watch it, it's like it's so out there and there's so many disparate elements that are coming together that I, I am a little concerned about that. That it might be I, I like, like a neon I like, demon. I like that. <laughs> right. Like yeah. you have a Southland Tales barometer with 
how Sean <laughs> William Scott are we going to get yeah, in this yeah, one? Yeah, exactly. But that's the it thing, man. It could be. Because, like, Southland Tales is a very audacious movie. Right, but it's like it coming it's... from a, a very amazing first film, Donnie yeah. Darko, that is this you know cult phenomenon and i wouldn't call it follows a cult phenomenon but it's definitely a cult film it's yeah Um, it's probably one of the more solid cult films i mean that one's it does have weird elements like sure how long did we uh agonize over that girl's weird uh cell reader yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. to this day i when i'm watching and she pulls that thing i'm like it's not always, just yeah. I, the more and more I always look at, I always think of Demolition Man. I'm like, it's the three C. Right. It is. Yeah, it exactly. looks like a right. weird birth control container. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A totally, totally. Um, you know, like or just a Kindle. You know, um, yeah. But you know, I think that. I mean, what's really interesting is if you rewatch it, follows uh, over and over again, like I have, like you notice that it's in everything, like it's it's all the background, like the radios and the TVs, yeah, um, and also the cars and the styles that everybody wears are all like this, like mishmash, uh, uh, or mishmash of all these different um, eras. Yeah. And uh, and again, I I believe that that's fully intentional to keep you not knowing exactly what's going on. And it's yeah, because it you could very easily be in the far future. Sure. You know? Sure. Absolutely. And, and I mean, it's just Detroit, which basically may as well be a uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, but so I'm super interested. I will say I'm completely fascinated. And after it follows, I will follow, uh, no pun intended, uh, David, uh, Robert Mitchell anywhere right now. Um, but I will say that, um, you know, watching that trailer, it, it looks completely stylish and fantastic fantastic and almost in this like way like a like a a, a number 23 ish kind of movie oh wow um because it's about like all these secret messages everywhere and he becomes like completely obsessive about you know finding these secret messages um and things like that but also kind of you know with a little bit of a of a, a comedy bent to it um so yeah i really really hope that movie is incredible i think that you know it it it, it might walk this line kind of yeah. like almost like a like a bad batch where it's like you're either gonna love this or you're gonna hate it luckily with bad batch i love Loved it, but I can understand how people hate it. Yeah, um, but I certainly hope. I still really like the bad. Oh batch. yeah, me too. Obviously, I mean, it's my. But yeah, that is one of those movies that could also be on the Southland Tales meter for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. I'm watching the trailer now with no sound, uh-huh. and it's like weird. That shot of her in the pool is like straight, like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, and I'm sure that's what's going to happen. Is it's going to draw on a lot of kind of old Hollywood looks and everything like that. But yeah, definitely watch it with sound when you get a chance because the music music is a very important so they have a violent femmes added up oh. um, playing in the background um and you know and that's you know obviously a that guy he's talking to is also a mulholland drive he's the one yeah. who collapses sure he the, sees the alley yeah. yeah yeah he's terrifying one of the most i mean i don't know it's something about that freaking scene is one of the most scary scenes because the build-up of it yeah you know he sits there and he talks about that and then it's like you go back there and it's they're, like nothing's gonna happen an nes yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah wow. for sure so again like again messing with era messing yeah. with, with time um yeah animation. so animation wow yeah it's got animation in there Dude, it looks very interesting yeah it does look very Whoa, interesting uh, lots of people dressed exactly alike yeah trippy yeah 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 and he goes to some weird club where they give him like these apples and like it's just uh yeah Oh, there's that chick. She's in that comedy show. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, 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 Garfunkel and Oates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's sure. the apple. Yep. Oh, I could definitely see like the bad batchy. Yeah. Of... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. So um, anyway, I'm just super excited about that. And I, you know, this was a stealth way to be able to mention that, but also hereditary, super excited for, um, you know, a red bathroom, just like the shining. Uh huh. Yeah. That's a, that's a good catch there. Yeah. Good shining reference there for sure. Um, yeah. And uh, right now it's just, at this point it's, uh, it's on watch for the film. That's going to be an annihilation for me. Did you ever see that by the way, Kirby? I did go see that. Um, quick impression. Yeah. Quick, real quick. I definitely enjoy it. I thought the sound design, the visuals were great. I like the cast. Uh, the ultimate typecast person, by the way, to me is Michelle Rodriguez, <laughs> who's an excellent actress. And is absolutely constantly plays the same role. It's not Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, it's not. Oh, is it not? It's yeah. the girl who plays Jane the Virgin. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Oh my God, she's doing her best, Michelle Rodriguez. She, yeah. she did remind me of Michelle yeah. Rodriguez. I mean, like yeah, yeah. almost identical. Her name is Gina Rodriguez. Like, ah, is it? Yeah. There you go. Maybe that's why there it was. I, yeah. I was like, my God, she looks so much like her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, truly not only like her, but the voice and yeah. the uh, the mannerisms. Wow, she should win an award for that one. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, right. well, I'm a fucking idiot. No, no. Okay. But anyway, she really. I, I'm pretty positive. I saw it in a re, an actual review listed really? as Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, boy. Well, I no guess it's joke. an easy, uh, uh, yeah. easy thing but, um, mistake to make. I love. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but the uh, the creature attack is one of the best scenes i've seen a that's long what i'm time. saying dude, i told victor but that and he was like oh, i don't know i, I, really I mean dude it. it's so good it, as far as genre films horror films i think that scene is one of the best scenes it's gonna it's gonna be something that if people are making lists of best scenes from horror films or you know horror sci-fi that's gonna make the list like it, of the decade yeah i, I, I will don't... say i found somebody who had uploaded it on youtube uh-huh. so i rewatched it the bear on the side of its skull, it's uh-huh. growing a human skull. Yeah. 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 Yes. I was trying so to crazy. That's okay. I mean, honestly, I don't think that spoils much. Yeah, but yeah. like, Oh, I, was, I thought you had seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, he it. has. He's just trying, trying not to spoil it for other people. people. Oh, it's, well. Because it's so, like, completely out. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Today's the last day it's out in theaters. I actually shared that on. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. It's Dang They're pulling it. it from distribution. Well, yeah, that's kind of why I wanted well, to see Well, I hope it. it comes out on, uh, I hope that means it comes out on a Blu-ray soon. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, caught on one of its last days. Um, I, I. Can go through. I'll go through. I have a lot I've watched mm-hmm. and stuff. I will say here, and I mean, because I got to get going here in a little bit. Was there's a ton. Uh, Hereditary is probably my top one. I love Tony Collette. I think, yeah, all, like one of the most deserving and uh, underappreciated actresses ever. Probably, uh, I I truly think she's amazing. I mean, since Muriel's Wedding, so I really am looking forward to that. Anything A twenty four puts out, I'm interested in. Even if I don't like yep. it, I will go see it. And uh, I, they have had some ones. Oh, and also Under the Silver Lake is a twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, the um, but there's quite a few and stuff. I'm really trying to look beyond, of course, just like mainstream movies and stuff. I really am digging more and more into independent features these days. Truly, fully independent stuff. Um, but of course, there's some. I mean, I'm not gonna talk about all the big movies here. And of course, it's gonna be mostly horror. I, you know, like I'm excited, of course, about like Halloween and stuff like that to a degree. But it's more of like a novel kind of thing for me. It's not. Nearly, is that this year? Yeah, it yeah, is this year. Yeah, it's awesome. Gonna, but um, for me, uh, my top ones are actually like 2016. One of my, I think it was in my top three was um, Eyes of My Mother, Eyes of My Mother, and uh, that director he's doing um, uh, Nicholas Pache. Uh, he's doing a new film called Piercing, um, mm, and I read that. the thing. It's basically like 
this guy goes and he's supposedly leaving his like wife and child on a business trip and he actually is going to go to a hotel to hire and kill a prostitute but like the prostitute it's kind of got like a hard candy kind of uh-huh. i guess vibe to it uh-huh. which i also love that movie yeah. um so it was one of those ones i'm real interested in um uh there was a couple other ones here i'm trying to get through them all uh, Chance the Rapper is doing a horror comedy huh. about a, a slasher film called Slice that's about a guy who hunts, a, a killer who hunts pizza delivery people. That's and funny. It's, um, that's funny. Supposedly it's just really He was like one funny. of the biggest supporters of Get Out, so I'm just curious if like he kind of caught the bug a little bit, you know? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, there's a director, Issa Lopez. She's got a dark fantasy movie call, coming uh, called uh tigers are not afraid here uh, i saw tigers are not afraid at fantastic yeah, fest afraid, actually yeah. um i saw that film yeah. and it's it's very very good That's um it's uh it's it's incredibly sad it's um it is a, a a shockingly sad film um and it's not as i think it's not as genre and fantasy as you think it might be from the trailers um you know it's definitely more of just kind of a of a of a slight i would say it's magical realism you know about kids like living. an amelie kind of thing yeah i mean amelie but but you know like what's the opposite of amelie in terms of like you know because it's like it's it's a very hard story about kids you know living in mexico mm-hmm. and you know in the world that they're living in uh, basically maybe it's orphans. more like a monster calls or something yeah it's like a, but but even that's kind of very storybook pan's mm-hmm. labyrinth is what yeah I've i would heard. say pan's labyrinth okay. that's a so really good comparison yeah but um yeah, I'm I'm just busting news because I really got going here a couple minutes. Um, uh, speaking of Lars Venture, the uh, house that Jack built with uh, Matt Dillon and uh, Uma Thurman, I've heard it looks fucking amazing. Mm. So I'm real interested in that one. Um, and then one of the, like I was saying, like kind of like digging up, I've uh, I actually have to look up some of these names because like the list always grows because there's just so many people, right. and it's like I try to find a balance between like. Uh, uh, streaming Redbox, netflix or whatever so i i i've literally i just keep like little lists and pictures uh there's this film i saw a bit about called um i'm if i'm mispronouncing this apologies i mean i didn't even get michelle rodriguez right so hey <laughs> Don't worry i might fuck it. this up it's a uh, piwaket uh p-y-e-w-a-c-k-e-t uh, i'm probably not uh, new england enough to get that right but it looked really interesting <laughs> Uh, and yeah. then the most fascinating oh, one. I know what movie. Yeah. It's a sequel to something. Thing, yeah, I, I think, I believe so. But the one that fascinated me the most, somebody posted this on a board. I can't believe this, just for the visuals alone, the, the design. I can't believe this movie has been shared more just like on like social media, almost like in a meme kind of way, like a visual <laughs> stunning. But this is guy the most interesting looking film I've seen this year, or probably will see this year. It's called The Barge People. And it's got this wow. weird fucking like street trash meets like eighties like melt movies. It's kind of got like huh. uh, yeah, it just we haven't it, had a good melt movie in a while. But it's got almost that weird like um, uh, rawhead Rex cellar dweller kind of look too. Like very like Empire Pictures, but it just seems like there was also a movie years ago called uh, Septic uh, Man or Septic yeah Septic Man, and it was like kind of like a guy who gets trapped in like a sewer system and starts kind of like dissolving mm-hmm. it was a really good movie but this is kind of reminds me of this idea too i don't know man it just uh, a lot of different uh, raw meat or death line even has that kind of like style a little bit 
but I mean, there's just too much. Um, yeah, I, I really, I, you know, for me, it's like, I, I, when it comes to the, like the big features, you know, I'm, I'm just like, whatever it's going to be like, I'm going to enjoy Deadpool, the, mm-hmm, the sequel. Sure. I'm probably going to enjoy, uh, I hope it skips one and that, uh, infinity is, uh, awesome. Like, <laughs> because God knows how awful age of Ultron was. But like other films, like I either I just don't have a real vested interest, or I just don't have the time. But it's it's like I didn't even heard about the one that you're talking about, the It Follows director. So I'm like, I love that movie. So now I'm like excited. It's just, I guess that kind of is what I'm going now. Is is that for like kind of a final thought for me? Is is that there's so much now? It's like having to keep Excel spreadsheets. Like at this point in time, yeah. like yeah. It, it's so hard to catch up with stuff. I have so. I have a fair amount of free time, but it's pretty limited at the same point. And it's like, I really have to start picking and choosing more. Yeah. And more. I feel like I'm back at the video store mm-hmm. and there is no like 99 cent rentals. <laughs> Everything is three bucks and I just don't want to pay that. So like, or I have to be very, very particular. And so it's, it's a wait and see right now, but yeah, I'm, I, those are why I'm excited mainly for as you know. Yeah. So we'll see. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, I will say I'll just throw in another couple sure. out since I have a list here. Um, the first purge. Oh, really? Purge, yeah, that's uh, right. The purge boy, Island. boy that has a great poster. Yeah, I, I'm boy kind of excited it. for that. I mean, because the purge election year was really solid. It was. So if I actually never saw it. I did see it's purge good. anarchy, but I never saw election. I like year. it's anarchy really good, and actually, I, one of the reasons I like it is it's a totally different. Each of the mm-hmm. Purge movies is kind of a different genre. Yeah. This is kind of like the escape from New York of the Purge movies. Yeah. And it touches on things that I thought were really interesting. Like the fact, like, it's mainly about how they repeal the um the part of the Purge that doesn't allow assassination of political figures because they're trying uh-huh. to kill a senator who wants to repeal the Purge. Right. But then it also ties into, like, bigger economic issues. Like the fact that there's tons of travel around the time of the purge mm-hmm. because murder tourism has become an industry. Wow. So that's yeah. what was one of my favorite things in there, you know, but yeah, it's a for, very, for a film that I, I, I think the first film is pretty awful. Um, yeah. you know, and it was like such a cool concept that was wasted so badly. I'm really glad to see that the sequels are actually using that concept in a better way. Well, yeah. They, like Victor said, they're just different movies. That's yeah. what's so good. Like, the second one literally is, is the like, second one is Death Wish. Yeah, it's literally yeah. like a Death Wish. I mean, yeah. hints of Escape from New York. Yeah, it's definitely like a escort, little bit of a warrior. Escort kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, a warriors too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely awesome. But um, and then there's Sicario Two, which yeah. is directed by an Italian guy who hasn't directed anything I've ever seen. I will totally take more Sicario. Yeah. Like, I mean, the trailer for it looks crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to be a different film. Yeah, completely. it's not Denny um, It almost looks like maybe like an, you know, and obviously, who knows if it would be this good, but like an alien to aliens kind of a thing. It could it's be. It's like this is not going to be like a, a slow, methodical, gorgeously shot film. It's going to be an action movie. Yeah. Um, and I really hope that's what happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but let's see. There's a. Unfriended too. I never saw Unfriended. I know a I lot did. of people are excited about it. I actually thought it was pretty okay until the ending. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. yeah, and then there's um the female version of Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Eight. 
I love honestly all the Oceans movies, even twelve, which is the weakest of the three. Yeah. Um. So I'm totally on board with it, but it's also not Steven Soderbergh. So I mean, Apparently I just Apparently Matt know. Damon is in it, and so and well, so, what isn't Matt Damon in these days? Oh, that's true. You know, don't, don't spoil. I mean, well, I'm just saying, I mean, he's in Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> yeah. also like he's in everything. Yeah. Uh, Super Troopers too. <laughs> right. It, I don't know. Yeah. Not a huge Fantastic fan Beast Two, which I'm not looking forward to. Yeah. Wreck It Ralph Two, unnecessary sequel. And just by the way, like only when I was in the theater and we were watching Unsane did I even I saw a poster for Wreck It Ralph Two. Yeah, I didn't realize there was a Wreck It Ralph Two. Right, Creed ju- Creed Two, which they shouldn't make. No. But what? Yeah, it, it does have Michael B. Jordan in it. Yes, still? but of course it's not going to be uh, Ryan Coogler. No, it's Stephen Capel Jr., who I guess Michael B. Jordan picked because he's producing. Okay. But um, do you, do you know anything about Creed Two? No. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan uh boxes against the son of the man who killed his father, Drago. Oh, really? Dolph Lundgren is in this movie too. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm on board now. Yeah. Now I'm on board now. And there's Bring Mary it. Poppins Returns, The sure. Predator. Can mm-hmm. we make it Creed 2, The Expendables 4? Like, <laughs> right. That would be way more amazing. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Right. Yeah, that was definitely a... X-Men Dark Phoenix. We're just in the Is that coming now. out this year? Yeah. Wow. The New Mutants. Is yeah. it also Brian Singer? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. It's Simon Kinberg. Oh, okay. Who directed The Saint, I think. Starring Val uh, Wasn't that... That's... Uh, oh, yeah, Okay. Um, I'm gonna get him mixed up with yeah. Simon West, but you're yeah, right, it was not Simon West. Um, Mission Impossible Fallout. Christopher McQuarrie, and it has have most of the cast of the last one. Yeah, I mean, I, that's you know, like I didn't love that one to be honest with you, but um, uh, I I mean, I you know, I'll yeah. always take more Mission Impossible. Ant Man and the Wasp. Cool. And Deadpool two. Yeah. And Incredibles two. So many sequels, you guys. Yeah, it's true. Well, so. I, we just ran it down. You know the ones we like. This is just the shit that we're going to have to sit through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and exactly. we did not talk about Ready Player One. I guess we'll talk about that soon. Yeah. Oh, you know. I, I, let's do Ready Player One because I actually will go see that too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to be a part of that one as mm-hmm. well. So we'll get we'll get to that one. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, what we can do is, I mean, we can discuss it after we've seen it. Since yeah, it, by the time be good. we record, we'll just next, do like a uh, yeah. yeah um, we'll just do a dedicated episode. But about... I'm just gonna say predictions, just real quick. So we go on a record. Since the next time we record, yeah. we're gonna have seen it. Yeah. Um, I personally, uh, I hate the book. I hate it. Oh, I hate the H. book too. I think it's the this absolute is, it's worst. It's literally piece of trash. one of the worst fucking books I've ever um, read. You know. But with that yeah. said, um, I trust Spielberg and um. You know, I think he bats, you know, whatever the number is that people bat, because I don't know anything about sports, but it's a lot. He bats good. And uh, also, I, they released The Score, which is by Alan Silvestri, who did the music for, of course, Back to the Future. Yeah. And I love the score. It sounds so, like, it's not 80s synth, because everybody thinks 80s means synth, which sometimes it does, but it also is, like, scores like like Last Starfighter and uh, uh, Explorers, where it's, like, the symphonic... Like, It'll be you know, interesting for music. sure because most of the pop songs they they list in the book mm-hmm. are awful. Yeah, 
He has terrible taste in everything. Well, of course, guys. he's a nerd. He's a yeah. big nerd. Yeah. He doesn't know about actually cool things. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, uh, you know, and so, you know, anyway, I think a lot of the trailers look kind of terrible, but I trust Spielberg. I think the music is awesome. And I, I really have a feeling I could end up loving this movie, even though I am like, I hate the book yeah. so bad. We can talk about how awful the book is next time. too. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> All right. All right. So now, you know, what we're looking forward to, you know, what's coming out. So, uh, Stay tuned to the website. We'll have some more reviews coming up soon, shortly. And uh, this will be up, pre- you know, I'll probably put this up later tonight, so it should be up in the morning. So if you guys like what we're talking about, leave us some comments. I can't talk. Leave us some comments. Leave us some comments. Leave the levers. Leave us some, some comments. comments. And until next time, I'm Victor Moreno along with Kerbin Nelson. I can't believe that Victor and Joshua do not remember third base. So for all you derelicts and dialects, I had people that know what's t- message up. me asking why I hadn't heard about the band you mentioned last time. Oh, okay. LK, the, whatever. The KLF. I was yeah. like, I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> all right, man. We'll yeah. go listen. To I that. listened to KLF the entire Let drive home. Wait. By the way, the other I night. just can't believe that you do not remember <laughs> Pop Goes the Weasel, man. It had Henry Rollins as Vanilla Ice in the fucking video. No. Wow. It was amazing. All right. Wow. And Joshua T. Ruth. Uh, Something clever. All right. Until next time, rest in peace to Charles Lazarus, the founder of Toys R Us, who died today at age 94, the day the liquidation sale started. Wow. Creepy. True. Laters. I'm a Toys R Us kid. (laughs) I don't want to grow up. I'm keeping that in.